Hi our friends, hope that you're doing well. Welcome to Rootedness. This is the fourth um, part and then next week the mighty Mr W is going to speak. We're so excited to hear his voice. It's been an honour to have Mr and Mrs Wilson as part of the community at C CBC over the last um, few years. We're so thankful you guys for all that you are and do. Today guys I wanted us to gather around um, what it looks like to be rooted into community. You know, sometimes when we think about this in terms of um, church community, we quite quickly go to some sort of systematic thinking or um, sort of structural thinking around what it looks like to construct community, um, how we go about uh, being community. But here's what I love about the heritage of the Vineyard Church. So uh, as Vineyard, we were um, founded in California by John Wimber, a beautiful story. I'd really um, invite you to read The Quest for the Radical Middle if you've never read that book about the history of the Vineyard Church and just discovering it. But it was actually born out of a Bible study which was led by the Quakers, um, that John Wimber came to know Jesus first and then started to imagine um, what church could look like, where it was gathered around worship, Holy Spirit, uh, compassion ministries, where healing was available um, for, for today, where it wasn't dead, um, and where Jesus is fully alive. And that is the community and the movement that we love to call a home for us. Um, but that Quaker movement, fascinated by this, was born here in Cumbria. George Fox started the first Society for Friends in the south of Cumbria. We went to visit Dave and Rachel Ellishaw a few weeks ago who are wondering and pondering what the Father's up to in stirring their hearts to start an expression of Jesus following a new expression down in the south of Cumbria. And as we drove to their house, we drove past some of the places and spaces the Society of Friends would have gathered. And I absolutely love their name, that that they are friends together. I absolutely love that. And you'll see often in our emails and things, I refer to you as friends. And, um, and I genuinely believe that as friends. What I've loved in my study of friendship, when I think about a community, I think about a whole group of friends gathering together. That's what I think of when I think of community. Um, and I know there are different levels to friendship. And this week I've been doing a little bit of study for my workplace and, and for as I prepare towards this, so that our brains are hardwired to have different levels of friendship and we only have capacity for so much. So, so there's been signs done around this where we only have capacity for five very close friends then our brains have further 10 capacities so up to 15 in total then for, for for friends that we can rely on and then it goes to 50 and then 150 and you know every time I've been reading this and looking about friends and friendship development and how our brains are wired towards friends and friendship making as humans we are a social being I know that that's hard, it's not easy, and I know some of us have been disappointed by that along the way, but I think this is what we're fighting for, is we're fighting to be a um, community, as he's called us to, and not just an inward-looking community, but community in the widest sense, like his arms are wide open in terms of community. That's what I believe his calling is to us. This is available for all. Welcome aboard. You're so welcome. So you'll see that there's some of the things that we use as a community and always have done to reflect this and why I refer to you as friends as well. We are friends. Um, 
But I just want to gather our hearts around John chapter 15. So if you get your Bibles just now, I'd love you to get your Bible out um, and John 15. Guys, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. I, 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 can't, um, I can't passionately say to you enough how much it helps with our relationship with the Father. It's not a religious tool. This isn't a religious tool, but it promotes greater relationship with our Father because it helps us to get to know him more. It really does. And there's some beautiful portions of hope in here, of love, of grace, of mercy. Get yourself a Bible or let us give you one. So anyway, John chapter 15. We're just going to read from verse 1. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I loved you. And here is how you measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I command you to love one another. So folks, um, about a year ago, um, maybe even two now, I, I don't know where the time has gone, we sat around this Remain in Me and I Will Remain in You a little bit. I did a little series on that. Um, and then as a community, we dove into Authentic Community. Um, last season, There's that's all on catch up on um, listening. And if you want to listen in because you missed out on that, um, go ahead and do that. But I just want to focus our hearts around um, the latter part from 9 to 17 in this um, chapter and specifically around verse 15. This is the verse that has kept coming back to me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. And this is just an incredibly powerful moment in scripture. Really a, an incredibly powerful moment. So this is, just to set it into context, we're coming up towards 
towards the end really of Jesus's life here on earth. We're, we're coming towards the end of the season. He knows, he's predicted that he's going to die. He's, he's already told the disciples this is what's going to happen. He has gathered the disciples and humbled himself before them and washed their feet and blown their minds by that act, like blown their minds. Then he's predicted that one of them is going to betray um, betray betray Jesus one of his 12 is going to betray him like wow and then um, then he predicts that Peter is going to deny him and um, then he talks about him being the way to the father because in Jesus um, throughout the Old Testament we have this narrative where we have God and we have the world and they are separated um, because of the sin which entered in right at the start of the beginning of the story and so we had separation from God so the people are doing everything they can to do um, like like um, sacrifice sacrifices and everything but they cannot get close to God and it's Jesus who brings that closeness, who brings that closeness through his death. And Jesus has been teaching about this and helping to prepare them towards this throughout um, the whole of the, the New Testament, throughout the whole of the gospel, sorry. Um, and then he promises his Holy Spirit, who he refers to as the counsellor, which is just beautiful in chapter 14. And then he comes on to the true vine. He comes back to his narrative around agriculture, around gardening, um, which I just think is absolutely astounding and beautiful and, and and really calls towards this rooted living of remain in me and I will remain in you. Like, stay with me. Don't go off to the left or to the right. Just remain in me. Keep plodding on with me. I want to do journey with you. I want to do relationship with you. Like, I just want to, I want to know you and you want to know me. Like, I, I, yeah, it's just like incredible. But then he goes on to um, to share with them his um, his heart is that they would go on and multiply what they've experienced um, through their time. Like, just as I have loved you, so then go on. I command you to love one another. Like he's saying here, like he talks about this before in the Gospels. The greatest command he would see is love one another as you love yourself love your neighbors <laughs> like it's just incredible so simple but can be so complex in our human worlds and human minds and finishes this section with saying I command you to love one another and when he talks about friends here the Greek word that is used is philos philos is also a type of love um and you should totally look into the different words for love. In Greek, it's really beautiful and really um, speaks a lot, hey, of the depth of the different types of love, kind of like the different types of friendship that we can experience um, as human beings. So philos is a friend, someone dearly loved, prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant, held dear in a close bond of personal affection. Like how more relational could you get? He is he is bashing down any thought of institutionalized systems. He is bashing that down. And you know, Carla Vineyard, we've always wanted to be a community. A community, not an institution, not a place that you go to, not a thing that you attend, not something you get something from, but a community of friends of people who spur one another on, who champion one another, who, who help each other to, to pull out the gold in each other. Um, and you know, there's um, 
I don't know about you and I don't know about your experience of friends. I've over the years um, had many different types of friends. I really enjoy having diverse friends from different backgrounds, from different understandings. I have friends who um, are in different faith groups than me. I have friends who have completely different cultural understanding to me. And I really, really appreciate the diversity of, of making good friends along the way. But there's always, for me, um, comes back to these as these these close friends who I can really wrestle, who I can trust, who are dearly loved, who no matter the circumstances or the seasons, they're they're almost anchor point friendships. Now I'm going to set aside my friendship with Andy for a second, who is my best friend, and I love that he is um, such a good friend. And I think sometimes we can get a bit muddle puddle ducked about family and friends like um, we need our families we do and as as Jesus we talked about that in the last passage we need family we need good family but we need to expand our our, our um, idea of what family is we need to open up the doors to what family is not forsaking family but opening up the doors to see to multiply all the goodness there and to expand our horizons on oikos but then when we come to friend as well like how can we um dig deeper into the reality that Jesus had three who he was trusted, like the, he trusted implicitly. He he wept with those three. He doubted with those three. He he brought what he needed to bring in those places, and I'm sure those, those guys totally did as well. Like it was a mutual thing. If just one of them played in that moment, then it wasn't friendship. It had to be in mutuality. Um, and then there was the twelve who he did a journey with, and he experienced disappointment as a friend like he he knew that that one of them was going to betray him i don't know how that felt and we know that as humans don't we like of the betrayal of a friend really can cut us and um i don't know about you but um there's sometimes when the betrayal of a friend where something's happened with a friend which has caused me to wear a slightly different pair of glasses when it comes to all friendship like as humans we're sometimes quite good at doing that is just applying one rule to fit all and that we discount the possibility of friendship in other quarters because of the experience that we've had and then this is why philos conveys experiential and personal affection indicating expressed experience-based love and when we've experienced that and it's been betrayed it's so hard for us to come by but you know Jesus uh, he I think he proves to us let's keep fighting a good fight on this let's keep loving each other well it doesn't mean that our seasons of friendship will stay the same forever because sometimes things happen in relationship that get broken and this side of heaven some of those things we might be able to forgive we might be able to move on from but we don't forget and so that so there's some experiences that we learn from that we mature through don't we and there's some seasons of friendships that need to to be laid down in order for us to pursue wholeness for everybody present like that is it's a deeply sad thing of this side of heaven i can't wait to see friendship in heaven like wow that's just going to be incredible the closeness the experience love like it's fo focused on on just beautiful um intimacy in a the most pure way like no comparison no um ah oh, like all that stuff so i just um i just love this calling to be friends of jesus first
but then to be friends to one another as well. I wonder how this would change our world if uh, we started to look at others as potential friends first. Like how would that shift the trajectory of this week? Like how many situations do we go into, like our workplace, where we see each other as colleagues that we don't consider that we could be friends. How would that change your week this week if you went into your workplace and considered others friends? Now, sure enough, they may not be your three, they may not be your 12, but they may be your 72. They may be in that circle that you're just gonna to touch base with, but you're gonna champion them on, you're gonna love them on, you're gonna to continue to love them regardless of the seasons. Like, and I think that this is really huge for us as a society actually, is our commitment to making friends. How committed are you, despite the disappointment, despite where you've been discouraged in the past, to making great friends? You know, some of us need to take some of this stuff to a therapy setting, for sure. Like, um, you know, I just think that this can be hugely detrimental to us when friendships don't go right and it can cause a lot of disappointment but I believe that the enemy would love us to stay in that place of isolation and not fight for great friendships in our lives. Jesus fought for really great friendships in his, in his lives. I love as well you guys as we read through the narrative of the, if, his approaches to friendship making. Zacchaeus in the tree for example who's shouting down at him who's wanting answers from Jesus and Jesus simply says to him can I come to your house for tea? So who was the last person that we just said, and I know this is tricky with social distancing, but who are the people that you're pursuing in friendship? Who are the people that you're intrigued by? Who are the people that are different to you and you would just love to learn how to hear something from someone else's perspective and want to call out the gold in them and want to love them into life really well? Like no other agenda, no strings attached than love and love itself. Like there could be a revolution of friendship that goes on which just changes the trajectory of our lives and the lives of others forever. And that's the kind of rootedness and the radical rootedness that our world needs is friends making other friends who are making other friends. So yeah, I could go on for a long, long time on this um, because I'm so passionate about it and I think that we'll gather around and some more how-tos about this as well but why don't you go back and read that scripture again and I'm just going to encourage you to invite Jesus would you give me eyes to see and ears to hear where I've maybe laid down friendship making in my life would you challenge me to consider who I could entrust to be my friend, who I could choose to be my friend in this season, who I could reach out to and serve and love? I just wonder how that could change the shape of this winter time for you to commit to one, two, three, maybe even five other people and say, I wanna walk with you every week, would you walk with me? I wanna talk about the good things that my father's onto. And that's regardless of different people's situations and places and settings. Like, how could you bring about a revolution of just talking about really great stuff together and just walking this life along with each other set into beautiful community? Thank you. I don't know why I said that. These videos are so awkward. <laughs>